Updating the first part of the second part of the show here with some news from Friday morning. Cross Country scores a double victory at the FLRunners.com Invitational. Their second event they've run at Holloway Park, and that's by intention because in less than a month, the Bulls will be hosting the conference meet there. The competition will be tougher then. Honestly, the field of eight, you would have expected the Bulls to win. The only other Division One program was Bethune-Cookman, and they were actually at the bottom on the women's side and six on the men's side. Speaking of the men's race, as far as the teams that were participating went, the Bulls finished one through seven. Now, Jan Figueroa, who was an FGCU runner, but they were not in this event. He was unattached, quote-unquote, edged out Ben Kales for the individual win by less than a second. Kales actually was well ahead of the next bull, Nicholas Kamen, but again, the Bulls finished with, after Figueroa, the next seven runners, and that will get you the team score quite easily. Ave Maria was second, then it was Nova Southeastern. On the women's side, a Nova Southeastern individual, Ivanova Giannis, won the meet, but then the Bulls had six of the next eight, and there were more than 100 individuals in the women's race, 75 on the men's side led by Andy Gonzalez, who ran the course in 19 minutes and 6 seconds. This was a 5K, incidentally, on the men's side it was 8 kilometers. Hannah Offenbach was just a few seconds behind Gonzalez. Full details available at the Elite Timing website. I'll get a chance to talk to Damon Griffiths. In fact, if you want to go to the USF Cross Country Twitter page, they already have a video message from him about how they achieved what they wanted to on Friday morning. But realizing that the competition is going to be significantly tougher in 28 days at the conference meet. Now, if you missed it, full schedules are out now for basketball. Not all the game times, in fact, hardly any of them. Although for the women, a couple of exceptions, thanks to the American having basically five national TV dates to fill, and the Bulls got the maximum five. Obviously, they are the TV draw from the conference, as you could tell from the schedule release. So some of those game times are set, in fact, Sunday, January 9th, they'll be playing at noon against Wichita State. That's on ESPNU. The Warren I-4 Road Variety, a Sunday later, is going to be a 3 o'clock game again on ESPNU. Clearly, the two Warren I-4s would be TV selections. The one at the Yingling Center is going to be 2 o'clock on Sunday, February the 13th. You can get the full schedule at theamerican.org. Also, cross-checking the two schedules, we can see that there are going to be three double headers at the Yingling Center. You already knew about opening night, which is November the 9th. Not again until late in the year, December the 29th. When I say year, I mean calendar year. So December 29th, women play JU, men Mississippi Valley. And again, we don't have game times on those. And then January 22nd, both teams are playing Temple. They'll both be at the Yingling Center. Also, if you go to the full schedule on GoUSFBulls.com, Popping in there magically is an exhibition game. We'll have more details on Voorhees College down the road, but even though the regular season begins on the 9th of November, a game on the 1st of November, Monday night at 7 o'clock, will be against Voorhees. The Tigers out of South Carolina. Yeah, that's all I know about them. Again, the non-conference schedule was already released. Plenty of home opportunities, even in the state. Sunrise against the Florida Gators. Again, Michael Kelly talks with me about this on the new Bull Speed Ahead episode, which will air often on USF Bulls Unlimited. It is the conference opener on January 1st, Saturday, against East Carolina at the Yingling Center. Start off the year with some basketball, and just a few days later, against Final Four returning team Houston. The Memphis Tigers, also picked as a possible Final Four team this year, will be much later in the season, in fact, the next-to-last game at the Yingling Center, Thursday, March the 3rd. That's one of the teams the Bulls will not have to travel to face. Of course, everything's on GoUSFBulls.com. 
War on I-4. Bulls get to host the first one Saturday, January the 15th in Orlando on a Thursday night, February the 3rd. That's for the men. Now, we just told you about the women's War on I-4. Their first game will be conference variety anyway, Sunday, January the 2nd at home against the Memphis Tigers. In fact, they will not finish up with UCF last year. They were scheduled to play UCF last game of the season already, and then the previous meeting had to be delayed due to COVID. So they played the Knights twice in three days, and it was actually a little bit much because you knew they were going to play them again at the conference tournament. This time, it's almost like the league recognized that. The Bulls will have four games at the end of the regular season, not against UCF. Last night, well, another dramatic night for USF women's soccer. We told you their last three wins all came with either overtime or late regulation goals. They tied Houston last night, and frankly, and you'll get this vibe if you listen to the replay. We'll have it plenty for you on Bulls Unlimited, too. By the way, on Bulls Unlimited, we're going to replay the last time the Bulls went to Dallas as a football team and got a win in 2015. But, yeah, we always edit the replays on soccer down to about 90 minutes, so you're not going to hear much of the first half. The Bulls controlled the ball but really didn't have many chances. Their story this year has been vastly outshooting the opponent, coming close, living in the penalty box, but just not scoring enough, even though enough to get a 7-2-1 record. But that was not the case last night. In the first half, the Bulls got outshot 4-3, and a corner kick goal by Houston had the Cougars, who came in 9-1-1 on top. But then the Bulls started to pick up their effort, their intensity, and their offense, which they needed to do. And in fact, They had that first-half shot count matched by three minutes into the second half, including a near goal. Knocked forward by Thurton to Leah. Dribbles around two players, slots it off to Kitching on the right side. That's where you got to cross it, but she holds on to the ball instead. Well, that's not a bad cross and headed and saved. Wow, what a save. Megan Cavanaugh did all you want to do there. An amazing save by the second-year player. You know, Houston's starter last year is a senior still on the roster, but you can see why Mika Gracia is their goalkeeper kept it one to nothing it was a good pass by Kitching who got the start and again the Bulls already without Paula Leblik and Kiara Hahn due to injuries they did get back Sabrina Wagner last night which was important but they were without standout defensive player Vivian Bissett so Maya Alicia played and played the full 110 minutes alongside of Cheyenne Dennis and Lucy Roberts Kaylee Verpale who went a couple games without even appearing played 103 minutes last night also going the full 110 Rosalia Mino Gonzalez Sabrina Wagner herself and Sidney Nacello, after playing the full 109 minutes against Tulsa, it is tough for an attacking player to not leave the field. She didn't leave the field, and she needed to be on the field, obviously, to try and get the Bulls back even. And it was all her late, late, late in regulation. Sidney Nacello, she's always got magic. Spins around, gets into the box. Left side, gets some help, and a penalty is called! She is charged off the ball with 45 seconds left. And the Bulls will have a chance to tie it up. She did a quick turn, got around the first defender. A Houston player helped out. And I got to tell you, she sold it. I'll watch the replay to see if there was much hard contact. But the player did clip Nacello, no doubt about it. Goalkeeper is very good. Gracia, can Sidney Nacello score here? and most likely send this one to overtime. 45 seconds left, pressure's on. Houston up one to nothing. Crowd is silent, big crowd hoping to respond. Nacello runs up and scores! Boy, she barely got that one! What a game effort on the dive! High and to the right, that's exactly where 
Mika Gracia was headed, and what an effort, what a shot, and it took every bit of that great shot by Sidney Nacello to tie this game. Wasn't sure that was going to happen, but again, Nacello started it and finished it. Game wasn't finished. Houston definitely had its chances in the overtime, two great ones, and what a moment this was in the second session. Pushed ahead by Hudson for Houston. One-on-one, -on -one, this could be the game. Sidney Martinez makes an incredible save! Unbelievable! As the path opened up, and Martinez just saved the game for the Bulls. You heard the crowd. It was, again, fantastic. The crowds have been awesome, and a lot of other student-athletes there as well, but family, friends, last night was senior night. There's still a couple more home games, but they wanted to go ahead and honor the 10 graduating, or in some cases, graduated seniors, and what a group it is. If you listen to the replay right at the beginning, I honor all 10, including Sydney Nacello who got the big goal, her eighth of the season. Megan Cavanaugh, one of those seniors, of course she transferred in after four years at Albany. And great job by the USF Women's Soccer Twitter page, by the way, at USFWSoc, of putting not just Megan, but everybody photo-wise, current and when they were little, in some cases with the soccer ball side by side. Those are very, very cute if you want to get a chance to scroll back to those tweets from Thursday night before the game. But Kavanaugh had two chances in the second overtime, and both were stopped by Gracia, who again was fantastic. At least she didn't stop that penalty kick, and the Bulls get a 1-1 result. Here's head coach Denise Schilte-Brown. We gave up a soft goal on the corner, and then you're chasing a game. So they're an athletic team. I think they have a good plan, and you don't want to be down the goal. Uh, once you're down the goal, then you get a little bit out of your comfort zone and what you're trying to accomplish and things get a little bit rushed and you, you feel the stress. Everybody feels the stress, which I think our team is exceptionally feeling stress because it's, it's, it can be difficult for us to put the ball in the back of the net at times, you know? But we had great chances. I mean, Meg had, you know, six <laughs> shots today and um, Kendall had a few, Sab had a few, Leah had a few. We just, they just need to go in the back of the net. <laughs> Can you just speak about how many players are having to play extended minutes uh, because of uh, some players not being out because another effort could go on tonight? I mean, with the girls that are out, I mean, yeah, uh, we have three starters out that have been starters, but the girls playing are not not starters. I mean, we're a group of seniors or a strong, powerful group, but you got Katie Kitchen and Meg and um, Kaylee on the on the field. So, you know, they're taking people's spots, maybe, but they're seniors. So that doesn't bother us at all. I mean, Maya, I was real proud of Maya. She played a full lot of games and did it really well. I think Kendall, the freshman, is stepping up and, you know, creating problems for the other team. So I think we got a lot of electricity on our team, and that's exciting. We just got to keep moving forward. I, I really liked um, Nacello's optimism with the group at the end of the game. I think it's important, our seniors' outlook on, on how we move forward. And to me, they're doing a good job. And we're staying together as a group. Believing in one another, staying together. They like each other. That's, that's helpful. Well, I mean, Martinez saved us on the one <laughs> counterattack. But other than the counterattack, we had control of the game. Um, honestly, I thought Dennis and Lucy had them on lockdown in the back. But, yeah, they escaped once. And that's why we have that great goalkeeper to, to make that opportunity. But we had we had our chances. I really thought at the end there, Kendall was going to be, you know, pop one in. or, or But 
well, it wasn't meant to be, and we're okay. We're moving forward. Um, but the way we responded was fairly well. We had quite a bit of chances, and it took us to the last 45 seconds to get one to go our way. But I think defensively we were super strong. And national championship teams, they struggle early on, which I think is what we did. And you resort to depth with the injuries that we have and the players that have stepped up. I don't think there is starters and finishers on this team anymore because I think on any given day anyone can start, and the quality doesn't drop. And I think we showcased that well today. I asked you about the actual penalty kick because were you always going upper right? I went bottom left against Kentucky, and I missed. And I went upper right against LSU, and I made it. So before I took a PK, before the game, I committed myself to going top right. So there was no doubt that I was going anywhere else. I was going there. Uh, you talk about the defense being on lockdown. Did you guys uh, feel with no Vivian tonight that uh, overall you performed well? Looked like it. Yeah, I mean, like she said, we have depth. Um, so Maya stepping up. Lucy's, you know, always always solid and. and uh, Kaylee as well stepping up for I mean for them to not play 90 minutes normally and to come in and play now 110 minutes and give it all they got and they were solid they were strong so I mean yeah we miss Viv of course but you know we're gonna keep pushing doing without her and I just gotta ask for so you can say it on the record you guys would prefer to not go to overtime because you keep doing it right <laughs> yeah we'd much prefer not to go to overtime but you know it happens and we gotta we gotta make the most of it and we do we did we put an amazing game today they're at UCF next Thursday. This weekend, the volleyball team has two tough road opponents at Tulsa at Wichita. Both of those teams are 6-5. and five. Remember, early in our pregame show Saturday, we have a segment called Around the Horn, so I know we'll give you an update. Then, I mentioned the Bedford Cup going on at the USF Tennis Complex. It's basically three days of singles and doubles. And again, there are 10 teams there, but they're not competing against each other as teams. This is different from a normal tennis event. It's individuals, of course, from the different colleges. And it's a unique setup. You have basically two different singles draws, the top players in a draw of 32. There are also two doubles flights of 16 doubles pairs. And Friday, basically, there are two doubles and two singles rounds. Saturday, one round of doubles, two singles, and then the championships on Sundays. So 32 players in the draw, top four seeds get a bye. So if you're not one of those top four, you have to win five singles matches. And if you lose, you still get to shoot off and are guaranteed basically... It's called a compass draw. Get at least three matches over the weekend. So good event hosted by USF, the Bedford Cup. And on GoUSFBulls.com, they went ahead and dropped their whole schedule, including the spring. Way too early to talk about that, but a couple of long homestands, and I see that a couple of road trips, they're basically taking the opportunity to play a conference foe and another foe. But we'll talk about that down the line right now. Bedford Cup is the event happening. And again, it's free, and it starts every day, Friday through Sunday at 9 a.m. at USF. Beginning Sunday, a 54-hole event in Princess and Virginia, hosted by Old Dominion, is where the USF women's golf team will be. And although it's probably early to start looking at the softball schedule, how about the USF softball team letting us know they'll be in the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational, Eddie Seymour Complex, over in Clearwater, February 17th through the 20th. Here's the other teams. Auburn, Clemson, FSU, LSU, Michigan, Northwestern, Notre Dame, Obviously going in alphabetical order here. Oklahoma State, Tennessee, Texas and Texas Tech, UCF, Washington, and Wisconsin. That is something else. And oh, by the way, the men's soccer team at 5th rank Tulsa to wrap up the weekend on Sunday night. We will not have Bulls beat on Monday. We're taking the bye week off, but we'll probably sprinkle in some Bulls reports. You can always follow us on Twitter at Bulls Unlimited. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.